Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Economics Design Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michael Lee, Director of Corporate Development at Calm to Us. Calm to Us is a global game development and publishing company best known for their Summoner's Wars games. Thanks for joining me on the podcast, Michael. Yeah, Kiefer, thanks for having me. All right, let's get into it. So to start us off with, could you provide a little bit of context uh, about yourself and a little bit about your role at Come to Us? Yeah. So, uh, hey, everyone. My name is Michael Lee. I'm the Director of Corporate Development, uh, as Kiefer mentioned. Uh, so my role consists of looking into opportunities of, of mergers and acquisitions, M&A, investments, and partnerships. I also work very closely with the with the XPlus side, which we'll get into on, on the Web3 front, uh, and help, help them out with the ecosystem development and, and business development as well. Love that. So obviously, uh, Come to Us is a pretty sizable company. It's been around for about 25 years now. Uh, and so given all that history, could you give the audience a little bit of background uh, about the history of Come to Us and a little bit about some of the, the more recent motivations for moving into the Web3 space? Yeah, so um, th- yeah, this will be very helpful for our li- for your listeners, our listeners. Um, Comptoist started out actually in 1998, so it's a it's one of the it's considered one of the first mobile gaming companies in the world. Um, and back then, you know, mobile devices that were available were the feature phones, uh, and obviously not the high powered smartphones that we have nowadays. Um, so, in order for us to deliver games or, or create games and 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 have users, you know, experience them, we had to work with individual telcos like the AT and T's, the Sprint's, the Verizon's, etc. And it was only when the App Store came around, uh, I believe that was around 2007, when our business really started taking off. So, um, you know, when the App Store came around, which was the ultimate distrib- the disruptor in distribution, all of a sudden, instead of working with the numerous telcos, we, you know, worked directly with Apple and then Google, of course. And, you know, we were first, we were one of the first to do, as I mentioned, you know, we were one of the first to do mobile gaming. Then we were one of the first to do games on the App Store. And then we were one of the first to also do free-to-play as well. So there were these transition phases that we went through. And then our company really started growing um, exponentially when we launched our hit title called Summoner's War Sky Arena. And that came out in 2014. And so we it's it's uh, you know very gearing up to be clo- uh, close to 10 years now, our 10-year anniversary. But you know this this title has done over three billion dollars in revenue, and it was also a, a, an influence for a lot of very well known titles such as Star Wars, Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes, Marvel Strike Force, Epic Seven, etc. And you know as we as we kind of grew and and went onto different fronts and innovated, we we I would say we kind of had that in our DNA as a company. As I mentioned, one of the first mobile gaming, one of the first free to play, and when we saw Web three, it it really made a lot of sense for us, given the kind of games that we created and the collectible games that we created. And so, you know, as we move on, of course, we're technologically, we're not quite there yet where you can get assets from one of these games and play Inter- interoperability is a, is a buzzword, which, which is used a lot. And, and that's not quite possible yet, but we see a future where that could potentially be the case given the continuous titles that we, we turn out with, with Summoner's War IP. We have the Summoners War Sky Arena, which is the original. We have Lost Centurio. We have Chronicles, and we're going to continue to build out that that IP and that that ecosystem where 
you know, in the future, who knows where utilizing Web3 technology would be able to allow us to bring in assets from different games to to be able to to continuously play. But also on top of that, with Web3, just the fact that the, the ownership a- aspect of it, given that our games are very, you know, collectible oriented, just made a lot of sense. And so that's that was our kind of journey into the space, along with us uh, really having the DNA of being the first mover in, in this uh, industry. I love that uh, as a company, you took that that uh, motivation to keep innovating and didn't give up on it. You found that success multiple times and instead of realizing or instead of thinking, okay, we've we found that something that's successful, let's just double down on what we're doing already and be happy with that. You're willing you're still willing to take those risks and continue going into uh, new directions. I, uh, I love that. Um, and also on the, the topic of interoperability, um, I want to do a clarifying question there um, because obviously there's a lot of components of that in terms of the technical side and the the actual like economic feasibility side of that. So I'm curious if when you're thinking about that as a potential future direction, if it's mostly focusing on interoperability between games within the Comptos ecosystem or if you're considering potentially uh, any interoperability between games uh, items in games that are outside of, uh, of the ecosystem yeah so uh, I think it'll be very difficult to consider games outside of the ecosystem and even even within the portfolio of games that come to us has you know which is over 500 titles um, it's gonna be hard as you mentioned you mentioned uh, you know the the economic side of it. it's it's when you bring in items that have attributes to it and metadata associated to it, it's gonna, it's very difficult to kind of bring that in and make it work in a different game as well. So I think in my mind, what it what it looks like is is very it's purely cosmetic for now. Uh, of course, you know, as things grow and 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 as as we continue to innovate, maybe there might be ways to do some sort of crossover. But to answer your question, yeah, I think I think it'll start off smaller, so within like an IP universe. Then potentially the contuous slate of, um, you know, uh, portfolio of games, and then who knows what will happen afterwards. Um, but I also wanted want to also make you know be be pretty quite frank about uh, our approach as well. You know, it gaming is it's so hard to make a successful game, and and right now, especially in the mobile side, there's there's so many titles out there, and so it's another reason why we're also doing Web three is because. It's so the market is so saturated too, and we we need to continue to innovate and push push the envelope. You know, move things forward to 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 keep on staying relevant and to keep you know um, retaining the users that we have. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense there. Um, so I guess on on the topic of some of that that past success, uh, so Contuas's Summer's War games have seen global success, and more recently there have been updates to incorporate those Web3 components into Summoner Wars Chronicles, uh, specifically like the mileage shot. So I'd like to dive in a little bit on some of the details on how that works. So can you give a little bit of background uh, about the mileage shop and the benefits that that brings to players? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, before I kind of go into that, I'm going to give you some some more context on uh, how this was formed and and the reason why certain things were, were um, architected in a certain way. So we now on, uh, we have now created I think around nine different games that have some sort of Web three element to it, and each of those games have certain tweaks in terms of the tokenomics side of things, uh, because we wanted to learn and we wanted to see what works and what you know what what doesn't work. 
we've we've tried the axi model uh and that that didn't work for us uh basically our our thesis was you know if if there was an exciting game and we add added the axi model to it would these web3 players come in and transition into true players rather than just continue to extract from the economy and that turned out you know our from that experiment it turned out that you know most of these these web3 players so to say uh didn't really uh transition into into core gamers and the definition of core gamer for us uh was you know they put back into the economy whether it be using whatever they earned back into it or you know making an in-app purchase and continuing on the game uh and so you know there were several uh iterations of these tokenomics um uh with the games that we have we launched and with summers or chronicles what we decided was that we needed to really set a very high play gate because another issue was a lot of there was a lot of influx of of players that came in with our early titles um and they kind of given the extractive nature uh they kind of ruined the the economy of the game and so in order for us to prevent that from happening we did add a very high play gate and what we mean by that is you know with chronicles you have to play to a certain degree and it's only certain items that can be traded within the in-game exchange that where you can earn the kind of currency that you can to then be swapped into um the the token and and whatnot and so with mileage with with how the mileage shop works is there's two ways you know you can you can truly just enjoy the game and you can you can receive um the free I believe it's called Rahild, free Rahild, and you can convert that into mileage and then use it in the mileage forum, or you can c- purchase Expla and you you can convert that into uh, the other token that is within the Chronicles ecosystem and then convert that into the mileage forum uh, mileage forum and and purchase the the exclusive items that are in there. And the purpose of this mileage shop is to really give the core users another avenue of enjoying the game. And so you can think of it as an add-on rather than a whole separate experience. It's for real true users to who who want to experience something extra to go ahead and do so. And and we're trying to do that in a way that makes it continues to make it fair rather than uh you know someone just con- just kind of um pouring in and and trying trying to take advantage of anything. So so the even the items that are associated and in are in the mileage shop you can't just continuously buy. There are limits to it and whatnot. Yeah, having those limits is definitely a really important component uh, of the economy and something that is, is definitely a shift in thinking for uh, a lot of studios that are moving to Web3 where now you're when you're thinking about how you're targeting pricing to certain players, it's no longer thinking about how are you uh, setting primary market pricing. It's okay, how are you setting supply to impact secondary market pricing and how will that impact how you're uh, how approachable that is to certain uh, subsets of players. Yeah. So, so yeah, go ahead. You know, I just wanted to add, you know, like, like with, with our titles currently, we have not implemented NFTs and, and the reason is very intentional. We, we believe that there needs to be much more research and studying done on the NFT side, especially if you don't, if, if, if they are going to have some sort of attributes to them, then they need to really be thought out and well-architected. Uh, and this is why right now, even with Chronicles, it's it's just a, a token economy that we've kind of implemented. Yeah, great clarification there. Um, and so with some of these components, um, like as, as you go through the process, you did a really good job of explaining it, but it's still there's still components where it might seem like a bit higher complexity than what players might be used to. Um, 
any any kind of tips there or, or things that you've learned on how uh, how to actually convey these things to a more uh, traditional user base? Yeah, you know, I'm smiling because that I'll, I'll be first to admit, like it's it it is not a great user experience as it is currently, and not only that, um, it was difficult for a time being because Apple and Google had not. This was when we first started out. They their guidelines were uh, more conservative, and they did not allow us to really. Um, talk about Web3 within the games itself. And so all of the messaging was separate. No one really knew it if you just played the game about Web3, unless you're following Twitter, unless you're following Explan and whatnot. Um, but now they've kind of loosened it up and we're, we're starting to put more guides in within the games as well. Not not intrusively, but just, you know, if people are interested. Uh, but yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Like the 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 experience of the users to to go ahead and try to to, to take advantage of this and experience it is, is very difficult. And and that is something that we are working on. And that is something that we are looking into with other partners as well, because I, I think that's the biggest point right now. We see a vast drop-off. We have, you know, obviously a large user base, but there's a huge drop-off in in terms of the users converting into Web3 in, in terms of, you know, getting wallets and and putting in and purchasing um, Explo to, to, to uh, take advantage of the mileage shop. Uh, and so, you know, we believe a lot of that has to do with the experience. You know, just think about it, right? On the Web3 side, you know, this only applies to the Web3 folks who want to ex- experience that that aspect of it. Let's say you, you've you hit all the, you know, requirements in terms of like the, the play gate uh, and you want to try and experience this and purchase exploit. You know, you have to go to a centralized exchange. You have to create an account. You have to, per- first of all, you have to find an centralized exchange that will sell exploit. Then you have to find it, then purchase it, then send it to the wallet, then convert it, then convert it again within the game, and then now you're able to use it. This that's way that's like already way too many steps for anyone to continue to follow on, and you know it's 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 tough. But the fact that people are doing it is a great sign. You know there are people who are going through those hoops to take advantage of this, and it, and I think that goes uh, to that speaks to the the game itself uh, and how. Um, it, um, how fun the game is and how much more these users want to experience a, an extra layer of, of the game itself. And so, you know, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but, you know, first and foremost, the game needs to be compelling enough for users to even take those steps to try and experience it. Absolutely. Uh, you've already given some uh, really juicy tidbits for other people building in, uh, in Web3 right now, but are there any other lessons that uh, you you'd like to share uh, that could be taken from your experience uh, with Summer's War Chronicles or any of the other games that you guys have worked on in Web3? Yeah, so I think, you know, as I mentioned, the user experience is a big one, right? And so that's 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 something we've learned many, many, you know, starting from the first game, you know, we're continuing to learn. Uh, we think that if, the, if that user experience flow can be a lot simpler and user friendly, then then there will be more and more conversion. Um, and you know, it, it's also because you know we we've been in this business for so many years, and and our we were these companies, our mobile gaming companies, have perfected the funnel, right? And now and now all of a sudden they need to re-perfect the funnel using Web three. And so you know, I, I believe we'll get there, and uh, that is a learning point that we've we've definitely accepted. Um, another thing is that it the there needs to be, it seems like, at least from our learnings, the the why needs to be very clear. Like why why should users 
even want to experience it? Why should users even want, you know, have to buy this and, and, and go into the, like, what's the, what's going to, what's going to push them? What's going to draw them in? So the reason why I think this works for Chronicles is because there are items, there are different, you know, uh, points for the users to, to get something different than other users in the game. Right. And so it exclusive items, like, you know, we have the maximization marble, the blessing marble, Legendary scroll, mystical scroll, those are only available through the mileage shop. And and because we allow that, then, you know, because it's 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 architected in that way, then it it incents users to try and experience that. But of course, we don't want to just cut off users and and have only web three users be able to experience it. Like anyone who plays the game enough can, you know, end up experience this this level because we want to reward users that are true users, gamers, right? And mm-hmm. that's the whole point is is um, we want to enhance the experience of of the gamers that we currently have, and yeah, that's that's another takeaway. Is you know, there definitely needs to be something um, something that will incent the users and 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 really get them excited on on taking that next step. Yeah, that that makes a ton of sense. There, um, some great tips. And so maybe shifting over a little bit to the the topic of monetization. Um, and so one of your thoughts on how does this shift to Web3 impact game monetization? And are there any particular uh, Web3 monetization strategies that you think are going to be most likely to succeed? Uh, there are a lot of different tacks that people are taking. And I know you specifically mentioned so far focusing more on the token side than uh, doing things with NFTs. Yeah, I think the approach. Um, so, like, let let's take for example, like web quote Web three monetization, right? Uh, during the whole Web three bull run, as people say, um, the the strategy was you know doing a PFP drop and and monetizing in that way and getting building a community out that way and then and then starting uh, you know uh, the game and and getting people invested into the game in in, in that in that way. Um, so when we first saw that, we we were uh, to be on to be frank, we were very um, kind of surprised because that kind of flips the whole model of free to play on its head, and and for a while there, you know, that's how things were going, and it looked like that was the right way because everyone was doing it, everything was selling out, and you know, everyone was getting very excited. But it turns out, you know, as time went on, and as as the winter kind of crypto or Web three winter kind of came came on, um, those the the people the community that was very excited about it were were speculators were were there to to earn rather than um, you know enjoy the game itself. Uh, of course, there there may may have been some few that were mixed and and you know wanted to earn plus play the game, but a vast majority of them was were speculators, uh, and so. This kind of solidified our position and in, in our and our thinking of that. Wow, okay, we were right in that it, we that was not a sustainable model. Uh, maybe it might work in the maybe who knows who knows. But at least at the time, you know, we we felt like we were vindicated in a sense that you know that's maybe that's not the right way to do it. Um, however, uh, I think as the the approach that we're taking is is you know. Making it making it so that the user, you know, it's not a, it's not a totally different way to want to. I think it's very important to continue, at least from our perspective, to have the strong monetization in app, you know, Web two in app purchases monetization aspect because you want to continue to keep the game running. You can't 
got to service the game. You know, let's 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 be real here, right? And and however, you know, if we our approach being that we're adding a, another layer to it and an and enhance in the in the gameplay experience, it, it we think is is the right way to to kind of I guess. Um, not it's it's not really monetization, but it's more it's more like a, a retention mechanism that that doubles as monetization as well. Because then organically, if people are more and more interested and invested in the game, uh, they will it will kind of be a, uh, a virtuous cycle in that users will continue to ex- to want to experience the game at a certain level and continue to uh, you know convert and and play. Uh, you utilizing the the different economy layer that that there is. Of course, you know they'll have to be a core gamer, but that that's how how we see it. And, and you know that's that's it's a very very nuanced take. But like you know during the time there P two E play to earn was was big, but we here call it play to own. Um, and it's it's from a foundational level, it it could be very similar because you are earning something, but. The reason why the nuance is a little different because it's not like you're playing to earn, but you're playing and you happen to receive something which you own is is the difference in nuance here. Uh, and so, you know, there are several ways that we we try to make this happen. One of them is the dynamic, you know, reward allocation system is to, you know, reward users um, with tokens. Uh, as they contribute in game, another one is the gameplay gated rewards, which is as I mentioned, you got to have a certain, you got to be at a certain level, um, or we gate gate the economy at a certain level so that the users can't extract too much uh, and and ruin the economy. And then there's the dynamic token conversion system, which we can get into a little later. Where what another thing we experienced was you know Web three users them being very savvy savvy with trading. When we first introduced Expla into connecting that with an in-game uh, a currency directly, we experienced arbitrage, and that was the first time. You know, like when the price of one thing came down, like all of a sudden this value went up, and so they would one way it would kind of you know spook the 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 trading in one way in, in one direction and kind of push things up. And so that's why Exilium exists because that is the intermediary to manage the the arbitrage, and so. Um, yeah, that, you know, just to kind of go back, it's a long-winded winded answer, but to go back to monetization on the Web3 front of things, we haven't really considered it separate monetization, uh, but more so as a retention play because we want to continue to have a relationship with the users and and fe- and make it feel like there is something extra that they can they can experience. And then, of course, you know, as a as a byproduct, the monetization comes in. I think that's really healthy to think about it with a retention-based focus, um, because I think a lot of the earlier, more uh, play-to-earn types of strategies were using uh, Web3 components as a little bit more of a user acquisition strategy. Um, But the problem there is thinking about, okay, what types of users are you actually bringing in in that process? And they're not going to be your target core gamers um, the, the vast majority of the time. And so then thinking of it a little bit more as something that's this is how you're going to retain those users and thinking about the psychological benefits that the ownership might have and uh, just the new new kind of strategies that can be implemented there I, so i think yeah the, the retention focus is is a good one to have there 
Um, and so uh, you, you're obviously uh, repping Explore right now for those just listening out on Spotify. Uh, Michael's got the hat going, got the background going. Um, and so I'd love to, to chat a little bit uh, about that side of things. And so um, Come to Us is a Genesis contributor to the Explore blockchain, uh, which is within the Cosmos ecosystem. So um, maybe you could give a little bit of background about Explore and also maybe say a little bit about why uh, assist with the creation of a new chain rather than building on one of the existing ones. That's a very fair question. And, um, you know, a lot of people may think the same exact way, you know, like what you guys are a gaming company, gaming you know, developer slash publisher, why spread resources thin and why work on some infrastructure project? The truth is actually, and I guess it's been quite a while now, but we originally were built on a different layer one. We were built on a layer one called Terra. And for those of you who do not know, Terra was a top 10 chain, but ultimately went into a death spiral and 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 just kind of died out within within days. Um, uh, I won't go into details there. There's there's plenty of resources and, and articles on that online that anyone can look at, look into. But we were we were we were the first major gaming company on Terra, uh, and we, we we set our sights on building there and building a blockchain gaming platform there. Uh, but because of that, because of that event where Terra kind of fell apart, we had to make a decision on whether to go to a different L1 or build something ourselves. Um, Terra was built on Cosmos, and Cosmos is very, uh, I guess, is, is developer friendly, and so. We, when when we met with all the other L ones, um, you know, at the time, and this was when everyone was starting to talk about gaming, and so they kind of understood the impact that gaming would have on Web three, but they still didn't quite get it, and and it was very clear with our conversations with all of them that they didn't quite get it. Plus, given the fact that they are an infrastructure provider, they they're going to have to focus on so many different things, right? Like like the finance, like DeFi, right? The NFT side. Then gaming. Gaming is just like a a, se- a a a section within the the I guess the focuses that these other L ones have. And so, so we decided. Look, we we had already built so much on Terra, which was Cosmos Space, and it turns out that it wouldn't take that much more of an effort to create our own. But at the same time, if we did, we would finally have the you know help creating one. It, we'd have the keys to our destiny. We don't. We were a public list company, come to us is, and you know we're not going anywhere anytime soon. And so we felt it's it's a lot more safe um, to to create this with other partners, and and then of course the focus would be gaming. And so you know given that the focus is gaming, everyone who builds who who builds on Xplo are going to you know they're going to likely have certain issues that one or the other you know other parties may have had. And so it kind of kind of becomes this um, group of, you know, teams where it just kind of helps, you know, push on the technological innovations as it relates to Web3 together. And so, yeah, that's that's the reason why, you know, Comtoist decided to be a Genesis contributor to, to Explo. That's, uh, that's really exciting. And it's a, it may, might be a little bit of a silver lining now that you got pushed by a, a bit of a tragedy in the space. And now hopefully that's uh, putting you guys in a much better trajectory and helping a lot of other people in the ecosystem uh, thrive as well by having a good dedicated place for uh, building games on chain. And 
Uh, and so kind of looking at where Comptoist stands in the in the overall market. So Comptoist really has global reach at this point. Um, I'm curious to get a little bit of your perspective on the difference that you're seeing uh, between gamers in different markets. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, when we first introduced uh, our games, you know, Web3 games, there were definitely a lot of, uh, you know, new users and we had high DAUs from a lot of Southeast Asian countries, a lot of Latin American countries. And I think part of it, because we had launched a few before the bull run ended, um, you know, that, that, that contributed to a part of that. But at the same time, you know, the, the games that we have really kind of, even though our game, our company is a global game, global, uh, sorry, a global company, we our our strength is in uh, you know the mid mid to hardcore uh, you know the RPG turn based RPG uh, you know, action RPG kind of games and those games I would say tend to resonate more in the in, in Asia. Um, that being said, you know we 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 also did launch a hyper casual game that's being played all around the world, um, and I think you know those we were seeing. I would say still still from our side, a vast majority are are just normal gamers, web two gamers, you know. Um the fact that we even have to say web two, web three is is kind of funny, uh, to be honest. But you know, that the vast majority of the users that, that continue to play our games are, are just normal gamers. And um I think some, you know, we're seeing some conversion there where where people are taking interest into the web three side, of course, and and you know, our approach being Hey, here's another layer that you can experience if you're, if you really enjoy this game, and I think that's that's seeming to resonate. Um, but you know, as as I mentioned before, and as as you you kind of very poignantly uh, pointed out, the the user experiences it needs to catch up there. And so you know, the differences we're seeing gamers in 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 all these markets, I'd say, you know, there's still when we when we launch a title, there's still a lot of gamers uh, users that come from the Southeast Asia, Latin America areas but um at the same time you know our 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 company revenue makeup is is very um kind of equaled out like 30% comes from the north america 30% 40% comes from asia and then the rest come from from europe and so we're still you know as a, as a makeup of a of a of our user base it's still a very much global company mm-hmm. and so a follow up to that um maybe thinking specifically about the reactions to that that optional web3 layer um do you have you seen any particular trends on if you're seeing maybe uh asian players uh being much more likely to uh to jump on those web3 elements versus uh more more western gamers you've seen any sort of trends like that yeah it's it's definitely more a asian gamers and and part of it has to do with the fact that the Places the the exchanges that Expo is listed on is you know is a lot um, is a lot friendlier to to Asian you know a, uh, people in Asian countries uh, you know just in general you know U.S. citizens may it may be harder for them to get Expo versus someone in Korea or in in Japan say um, and and just just because of that you know makes it that's a huge, huge blocker for a lot of the folks that we're, we're targeting as well. And so obviously 
that's due to regulations and, you know, just trying to play it safe given we're a public company. Um, but eventually once Web3 is more and more adopted, I think, and and as I mentioned, the user experience gets better, we're, we're going to probably see uh, an influx from all over. Yeah, the, the regulatory side of it is definitely uh, here in the space and uh, in the U.S. particularly, that is uh, a little bit more difficult. Um, and is that, uh, have you had to segment your, your strategy at all based on uh, regulations in that sense? Like, do you have certain countries where you're just completely avoiding Web3 components? Yeah, so actually, that? actually, you know, we can't, we can't service Web3 games in Korea. Uh, and so, you know, the, the Korean users that, that end up playing, it, it turns out, you know, they, they probably VPN from somewhere, but, you know, due to regulatory uh, issues, we cannot service uh, Korea. Uh, we're very, we're working, uh, we have a very strong tie, strong uh, relationship with Oasis, which is another blockchain out in Japan. And, and we're working with them because uh, we want to make sure we, we do things right in, Jap- in Japan uh, on the regulatory front there. And so, uh, you know, we're making efforts into to entering the Japanese market because uh, Japan is being very uh, open to Web3 and easing easing their regulation. Okay, so going in um, a little bit of a direction, you, we've talked a little bit about some of the different genres. There's been a heavy focus on uh, RPGs, and you also, also mentioned like a, a hyper-casual uh, game that we're um, developing there. And... T- tying that towards the the web three discussion, do you think there's any particular genres that you think provide the best opportunity to uh, make a web three play with? Yes, yeah. As as I mentioned, I think um, definitely RPGs, hyper casual, hyper casual, because I think there's a there's an opportunity there in terms of rewarding users with with tokens, um, with with some sort of ad watch. I think that's the 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 kind of the meta now so to say i think a lot of companies are taking that approach we also have a game like that called mini uh mini part uh mini game party uh that that is taking that approach uh where we uh, award users uh with with tokens um uh rpg just because you know you know the ability to open up the economy i think makes a lot of sense uh and i think we're those two genres make a lot of sense in terms of in terms of web3 but I think another subset is is um, the risk, like skill base, right? Skill base, you know, risking something. I think I think that makes a lot of sense uh, in terms of uh, Web three, and uh, I think we're going to see a lot more innovation kind of happening there because it really does make a lot of sense in that front. Um, and so uh, move forward a little bit. I uh, got a got a fun one, hopefully. Um, I'm curious if you have any hot takes about Web3 gaming. Feel free to, to push the envelope yeah, a little no, bit, poke it's, the bear. It's not a, I don't, I don't know if it's a, it's considered a hot take anymore, but it's, uh, you know, most, most of the Web3 games I think are going to fail. Um, that's my hot take. Um, and that's including, you know, us too. I'm not, you know, like, I'm not saying the company is going to fail, but games, right? Like we put, we have a lot of games that keep coming out. Even with us, more than ninety percent, ninety percent of our games fail, and and that's just the nature of the game itself. But you add Web three to it, it makes it even harder. Is our opinion, especially if you want to add a token element to it. That's 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 even that makes the the level of difficulty in making a success of a game even harder. And so, 
you're already at 90% of your games failing, plus you want to add a Web3 you know, element to it to make it even harder for yourself. I think my hot take is most of these companies are 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 you know unfortunately going to go under. But the good news from that is because of that and because of people experiencing that and building and trying out new things, I think we're going to get more and more um, kind of innovation on the on the gaming side of things. You know, it, one, it's unfortunate, but like at at the peak of you know the quote bull market, you know, you you saw so many decks of. Of of Web three, not non game developers, you know, saying, "Hey, we're going to build a game within a year," not knowing how difficult it is to to build a game, um, and, and not only that, not 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 understanding how difficult it is to market a game. You know, it's one thing to build a game, but it's another thing, a whole another story to market the game properly so that it's played by millions of users. You know, and I think that second segment is so, so right now. The people building Web3 games, they understand, they, they've now understood that developing games hard in, hard in itself. It, before my corporate development role, I actually started off as a producer. So I know exactly how difficult, it's such, it's so much work to create the game. Then you want to make the game successful. And that's even more work and even more dollars that you need to put into it. And that, that people, I don't think quite have understood that yet. I think they're at the level of, Oh shoot! It's really hard to make a game, but I don't think people have understood that. Oh, now I have to, you know, publish it, work with a publisher. You know, that's where publishers come in, which I think is is going to be very important. But I don't think people have quite understood that part. And so my hot take is most of these um, Web three games are going to fail. That being said, I think we're going to learn a lot from it, and there's going to be a lot that 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 we can take to. To kind of push on the next set uh, stage for 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 innovation within games. Yeah, I think that's a really good perspective to to put out there in the space uh, because that it's I, I agree with it <laughs> to to a large extent there, um, and I think where that gets especially dicey is when it comes to having some of these teams having sold something to retail investors uh, because that's where that knowledge gap is especially large. Like if it's if you're selling to people who have experience in the gaming industry or you're selling to VCs where it's their job to take on those risks, um, I think that's a little bit different than if you're kind of selling, uh, say, NFTs or a token to uh, to retail community members long before you actually have anything out there. Um, and I think generally the space, that it's been trending a little bit away from that very early sale before having anything tangible to show, which hopefully takes some of that risk away from um, that those retail sales. Another thing I want to add is I think I think the next sort of innovation isn't going to come. It's going to be it's going to be something random. I think like something we just did not expect, and then that's going to kind of take life on its own, and everyone's going to try to dissect it and and pull it apart and and recreate it. But um, you know, I think that's that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I think the things that really leverage the potential of blo- blockchain and uh, thinking about on-chain gaming and autonomous worlds recently, like that's a that's an area where maybe we'll we'll find some new grounds, new exploration around what gaming can become when you're when you're adding in these uh, on-chain components. So, yeah, definitely a lot of interesting things to that will hopefully be uh, created in the future. And so, got uh, got another question for you. Um, to uh, on the topic of the future, like what are your expectations for what the longer term future of Web three gaming looks like? 
Yeah, this one, I mean, I, I've personally been thinking a lot on on the expectations for Web3. Like what what should users, what, what should it be? What should it look like? Like what what should gaming in general look like? Because, you know, once once Web3 becomes widely adopted, it's not going to, no one's going to call it Web3. It's just going to be gaming, right? And and so trying to put myself out there and think about, you know, what, what will people start to expect and what's going to become the norm in the future? Um, I think... I, I think there's going to be a lot of, and, and and this doesn't specifically tap on Web3 as the main component, but I think as as more and more, you know, we're seeing gaming companies in general being consolidated, right? Like the, the space itself is becoming more, the gaming space is becoming more and more consolidating. You saw that the, the Microsoft uh, announced, uh, you know, the, the deal there um, and that in, in Netflix coming into gaming and then potentially Disney, I guess, uh, also coming back in. Um, what I, I think there's going to be, and, and gaming, it, you know, fortunately for us, gaming is in the middle of all of that. And I think there's going to be a lot of experiences tied into gaming that wasn't before. So now you're going to see shows, TV, trans, the whole transmedia play, but but not separately potentially something there where it connects where you have to you know be more immersed into the IP or 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 or, or you know watch the show to understand part of the game to play the game to then you know something re- related to the movie and then some physical good behind it you know especially you know Disney is at a great place right now given their their assets of, of having you know the the theme parks and and the shows and the IP i think games kind of brings it all together and i think Web3 has the potential to play a big role in that in terms of the technology to take that experience to the next level. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, there's going to be, I, I think I think as more and more people are spending time in the digital world, it's going to be very important for users to be able to trust what they have and, um, and, and just make sure, you know, things are transparent. And, you know, of, of course, you know, the, the average user, including myself, is going to, you're not going to go through transaction hashes and whatnot, but they, there will be experiences that allow us to accept, you know, life more immersed into the digital world. And I think that's the part where Web3 Web plays a big part in the, in the, in the future of where everything kind of connects how I see it. I love that vision. I, I think that's a really interesting one of thinking about how so many different uh, components of how people interact with entertainment uh, can all come together. And um, looking forward to seeing some of that future uh, come to light and how Web3 might be able to fit into it. All right, we can wrap the podcast up here. Michael, thank you so much for coming on and all your insights. Thanks, Kiefer. I love being on. And uh, yeah, I would love to continue the conversation sometime down the road, maybe once once more and more insights are found and, and you know, when Web3 is more mature, you know, we'd love to have like a sequel to this and, and you know, share some insights there. Absolutely. Thank you.